when was the last time you played? Well, this is a very interesting time for us to be having this conversation since I just returned from Egypt on COP27. And it's my first time in Egypt, my second time in Africa, all in the same year, actually. Um, but I did play while I was in Egypt. So, um, you know, the conference for COP was in a sort of like beach resort town called Sharm el-Sheikh um, and I also you know, got to spend a day in Cairo where I visited the pyramids and got to see some of the um, old market there so yeah I would say the last time I played was probably a couple of days ago when I was in Cairo exploring. Oh I love exploring as play when you're Welcome to Lead with a Dash of Play. Here we talk about the how and why of reclaiming playfulness as adults in order to build more connected, innovative, and human-centered workspaces. Isn't that what leadership is all about? I'm your host, Mary Hendra. Let's play. My guest today is Michelle Lee. Michelle is a leader on one of the most pressing issues of our day, climate change. For some of my guests, play is something they sneak into their work or pair with other goals, including creativity and empathy. Michelle has deliberately chosen to create a playful brand for this serious topic. Michelle, thank you so much for being in with us today in conversation. Happy to be here. For those who don't know you, what is the focus of your work? You know, I have a background in, in tech and I used to work for companies like Salesforce and DocuSign, but um, about a year and a half ago, I went full time on climate work and transitioned from a field that I've been in for you know almost 10 years to something completely different. So it's been a very interesting time for me. And um, I have two climate projects. And the one that's been um, a more longstanding project is Clever Carbon. And what we do at Clever Carbon is we teach people about carbon footprint in a really hip and fun and you know playful way. And the the hypothesis is that you know, if we lead with doom and gloom and, um, you know, we we kind of are, uh, you know, alarmists, I guess you could say, if we try to share more content, um, I think less people will want to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Rather, if we communicate the information around climate and, and carbon footprint in Clever Carbon's uh, case, um, and we do it in a fun normal way that other brands would communicate information about their brands, more people will be interested and, you know, open to learning more. So at Clever Carbon, you know, having this kind of like cheeky tone, um, being very like normal, <laughs> I know this sounds weird, but I feel like a lot of like climate education, like brands or communications are, are like either very stern and, you know, like... Yeah if we don't act now, like blah, 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 or like this happened and, you know, we need to rally. And, and I think that it's important that we have a variety of voices 
But the bet that I'm making with Clever Carbon is having um, just like a normal voice and communicating climate in a way for that, you know, resonates with normal people will actually be more effective. And having that playful, cheeky tone will also just be very unique to, you know, our brand and what we're trying to teach. You are so right that so often the the message comes with an urgency, which is important, but also embedded in there is the fear that I think now is being talked about in relation to young people having so much eco-anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And I want to give people a space where they can come learn about climate and be in climate without, you know, needing to have that constant reminder of like, the urgency and, you know, the limited amount of time and resources. And, you know, we just hit 8 billion in population. And how are you going to support this growth? I want Clever Carbon to be space where people don't necessarily have to like come face to face with that full frontal, but still be able to learn really concrete things and actions that inspire them to take small steps. Yeah. Do you get pushback for taking this approach of a more playful approach around a serious issue? I actually don't. Yeah. I think people really appreciate it. And yeah, I I think like once or twice I've gotten some like weird emails or like comments on our Instagram, but I think for the most part, people who do come into contact really appreciate that, that there is this option for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. You mentioned this is your hypothesis that people will be more willing to engage, that there will be a space for learning that is different. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that impact? I actually do think that it's, you know, this playfulness and, and this like safe space from doom and gloom has been really important. And I see that especially when I conduct our carbon footprint workshops. Um, You know, usually it's just like about an hour and it's content that help teach people from the 101 to the 501 of what kind of like carbon footprint is um, as much as that can happen within an hour. But, you know, I use games and play to help people with their learning and to make it interesting and engaging. And I think that aspect of it resonates and it it keeps people like um you know they they're not like you know wandering or you know paying attention to other things but they're like focused and it the time goes by really quickly so I think that the tone the playfulness is really important especially when helping people learn about this topic and I've been to one of your workshops and I appreciated how the playfulness was embedded in but also there is self-reflection, right? Because you asked us to think about our day and our own carbon footprint. Unlike some workshops, it didn't feel like I was being judged. Mm. And I think that is maybe, the, you know, one of the differences, right? Where it's so easy, no matter how well-intentioned the facilitator is, it's so easy when it's a very serious, urgent tone Mm-hmm. To feel that judgmental nature of, oh, like, oh, I did this and I can't do that because look at the impact. But when there's play, there was still that space for self-reflection of, oh, maybe I could do better, mm-hmm. um, but maybe a little less guilt. Yes. And I think that's important, too, because I think the guilt turns people away. And that's exactly the opposite of what I want to happen. I want 
to create curiosity, um, satisfaction through knowing that, oh, you know, this evening I turned my monitor off at night and I feel really good about that. What can I do tomorrow? And like inspire that um, in a really like positive way. Yeah. You offer these also as team building activities. How does that work? Yeah. So I like to include a team building aspect where, you know, if we're on Zoom, I create these like Zoom rooms and I give people a problem and then they go off and solve it in a smaller Mm. group. Usually this problem incorporates a lot of the topics that we had touched upon previously. And, you know, they get to discuss with their teammates, they get to bounce ideas, learn different perspectives, and also just allows like time for the material to sink in even more. It's also fun. You get to learn, uh, you know, more about your other teammates. And yeah, you know, again, it's play and it's important. I love that mix of the playful and the very practical, because it does seem like it's a good combination to actually change behaviors. Mm -hmm. Exactly. With playfulness as part of your brand, right, for Mm -hmm. Clever Carbon, I see it in the colors, in the font, in the way that you lead your workshops. What are the ways that you kind of check the work to make sure that you are integrating play throughout? I, you know, it's funny you mentioned the colors and the fonts and everything. And and I think of, you know, brands that I um, look up to when it comes to playfulness. And one of the brands that inspired Clever Carbon is Urban Outfitters, right? Yeah, it's a very playful brand. Um, It's very like retro, it's very cheeky, um, it's very colorful, And that's kind of like what I told my designer, you know, I want us to be a brand that embodies that. It's also like very hip and a lot of people relate to it. Um, No matter your age, no matter, you know, what your income is, it's, it's very approachable. And I wanted that for Clever Carbon. So that type of like having something to aspire to definitely helps guide the tone. And then it's funny, like when I, write the copy for either our website or our content. Early on, my designer, Ryan, had created this little like fictional character. It had like this face and it had this like cheeky look on it. And whenever I write my copy, I like think of that face and I try to like write, what would this person or this persona say? You know, it's not really my usual style, but I try to like channel that by actually creating this character and and just thinking about like what they would say. I love that technique too. Do you consider play part of your leadership style? Definitely. With the leaders that I've had in the past, you know, I find the ones that were open to play, the ones that resonated with me the most. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, as a team, when we play, we we bond more and we get to know each other better. Mm-hmm. And I think that results in a more productive team and relationship and work. It's better for business and for clients and for everything. So at Clever Carbon, for example, our team meetings, we always started off with a random topic around climate. For example, if I work in the airline industry, would my carbon footprint be different if I was a pilot versus if I was in the accounting department of the airline. 
So like the first five minutes, we kind of like talk about that. And it's, it's not necessarily play in the sense of, you know, let's do rock, paper, scissors, or look, let's go outside and skip rope, but it's a different type of let's think together. Let's bounce ideas. Let's be creative. And there's like no wrong answers. We also do things like, for example, you know, during the pandemic, we were all in lockdown. So we uh, hired a online uh, sort of like Bollywood instructor and we all just did an hour of guided dancing together. (laughs) So yeah, I think those things all help us bond and get to know each other better, especially for a remote team. Yeah. I appreciate that you're bringing in examples and and implementation that that really has a wide range. So, you know, people might might see, oh yeah, dancing in a virtual space, like totally get it. That's play. But that other example of five minutes, imagining yourself in the persona of another person, right? Different mm-hmm. people within the airline industry, and mm-hmm. and what would their carbon footprint be? Well, that requires inhabiting that idea of of so what does that person do how does that person go through their day um what does it look like so there's an imagination there love that you said like there's no wrong answer there we're exploring we're playing with an idea and it's a nice way to think about how play can really be part of the work thematically it's not a add-on but it it really could center you in who the people are that you're working with Exactly. Play, again, doesn't always look like jumping rope or rock, rock, paper, scissors. It can take on different forms. Yeah. I imagine if I were on your team, I'd I'd at a certain point be thinking, so what's the question going to be today? Who are we going to inhabit today? Or what idea are we going to be playing with? Exactly. Yeah. Can play help us make better decisions? I think definitely, yes. It's it's hard to come up with what is exactly about play that, you know, helps us come up with better decisions. But I think that when you're playing, you're in this mind space of there's kind of like no boundaries. You know, that's really what play is about. And in an essence is that you you can explore And when you're in that mind frame, you are more creative in the decisions that you're making and there's more possibility. And I think there's more room for optimism as well. So yeah, absolutely. I think I would agree with that statement. You mentioned recently coming back from Egypt. And I'm curious if the playful tone of Clever Carbon resonates better in some countries than others or resonates differently if you have to adapt it? Yeah, I mean, not even like a a, a country difference, but I think people in the climate industry mm-hmm. play less. <laughs> it's like an interesting statement, but like, you know, a, a concept like Clever Carbon to them, I, I think is, you know, they're very much about like, you know, we need to get a deal done at COP and in Egypt, we need to make sure we take care of loss and damage that we phase out fossil fuels. And those are not very playful topics. There's like this very get business done, very like solemn kind of um, atmosphere to, uh, you know, cops in general. So 
you know, I think a brand like Clever Carbon really goes over a lot of people's heads in the mm-hmm. context of this really serious climate, uh, you know, uh, meeting of all yeah. these like world leaders. So um, it's it's harder to get that across and, and have time and space to communicate like why something like Clever Carbon is is so important in getting more people on board. Yeah. Yeah. Were were you successful at getting any of those really serious leaders to play? <laughs> um, not this cop because it was my first cop and I was really just kind of feeling it out and getting a sense of like the lay of the land. But next year, COP28, oh, we are going to play. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I could see you scheming for what that playful engagement or gathering could be or or what how you might integrate a little bit there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you have also been hosting Women in Climate. Can you share a little bit about what that is and what tone you create with Women in Climate? Yeah. So Women in Climate is my second climate project. And it started off as me, you know, being new to New York City. And I wanted to, you know, try new vegan restaurants. I wanted to meet more friends that I could talk climate about, but also talk like Netflix and just, you know, have like interesting debates on various topics through the lens of climate. And, you know, I started organizing dinners in February and now we are a online community of over 600 people. We are an official nonprofit and charity. We're based in New York and we've held a number of um, in-person events from dinners to a New York Climate Week uh, event mm-hmm. where we had 100 people in person um, attend our, our sold out event. Um, nice. I think we had 200 people on the wait list to attend the event. And you know, what we do with Women in Climate is we create a joyful and safe space for more women to learn and talk about uh, climate. What's really important to me is to not only have people who are already working in climate and, you know, identify as women in the group, but what's important to me is attracting more people that are not in climate yet. And, you know, giving them a space that, again, is not doom and gloom, but, you know, allows them to ask questions, be a beginner and start their climate journey so that they can take personal and professional uh, climate action. So, um, you know, it's a slightly different word with women in climate. It's it's joyful, but yeah. there's definitely an element of play in there as well. Very nice. I I thought of... Um... A campaign I haven't thought of in a long time, but it was when there was a group of young people trying to bring awareness to Slobodan Milosevic as dictator and mm. and the importance and the possibility of changing leadership in the country. And there's a beautiful film called Bringing Down a Dictator. And they they had these fantastic commercials where they would like have the t-shirt that had Milosevic on his and then like put it in a washing machine and be like, look, mm. it can be all clean. We can have a new, mm. you know, start. And it was cheeky and fun, but it was somewhat groundbreaking in that space of challenging an assumption that 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 needed to be the leadership mm-hmm. and it worked. It was, mm-hmm. it was part of a regime change, which 
is huge, right? That is huge political social impact. So I see the power in bringing in the play and the joy within that, that can really make significant change. I agree. And I think people are just drawn to more positive leadership and, you know, less of a dictatorship and that like, you need to do this, you need to do that, um, you know, to take climate action and rather, you know, give them an area like a playground where they can explore what works for them. Oh, that's a great way to think about it. Now you do want people to change their behaviors as a result, right? So what are some of the things Mm -hmm. that you hope people will change as a result of playing with their assumptions, playing with carbon footprint, getting to know things a little bit more in a joyful way? You know, I think it's just being armed with some of the basic knowledge of like, you know, what is carbon footprint? Where does it come from? And um, you know, in a nutshell, uh, our energy usage, um, you know, comes from fossil fuels and, uh, or in other words, like a lot are the supply of our energy comes from fossil fuels and we burn fossil fuels for energy. And the less we, you know, use energy, uh, the lower our carbon footprint is. And that's just a fact. And I think, what I would like people to do is just know this basic information and explore what that looks like in their lives. Like today, for example, um, you know, it's Thanksgiving coming up and, you know, I was just reflecting on the last year. I really tried to avoid using my oven and Mm. I tried to look for recipes that don't require an oven because ovens are very, very energy intensive, whether they're, you know, a gas powered oven or electric oven. And, you know, I think these are small revelations that we can come up with on our own um, when we know the knowledge of like using energy results in a carbon footprint. And, you know, for some people that means turning off your monitor at the end of the night or not charging your phone overnight. And, you know, I think it there's really creative ways to reduce our energy consumption and, and actually like having a community like Women in Climate is important because then we can share those findings and collectively learn about new ways to reduce our carbon footprint and adopt what works for us. Can you share an example of something you played with in your playground, but you decided like, Oh, nope, that one's not going to (laughs) work. Not going to work for me. Um, hmm. You know, flying obviously has a very large carbon footprint and that's where really most of my carbon footprint comes from. I'm vegan. I don't own a car. Uh, You know, I have a one bedroom apartment and I really, you know, try to conserve energy. But when it comes to like flying, you know, a lot of the work that I do is really impactful when I'm able to meet people in person and communicate and present. And so that remains a very challenging aspect of my carbon footprint that not that it hasn't worked, but it's just very difficult to cut out. Yeah. Is there something that other people played with and brought back to you that we were like, oh, I had never thought of that. Let me try that. I mean, I learn new things all the time from people in our community. Um, Just recently, we did this women in climate uh, lunch at a conference and we had like 20 new women gathered together and we each introduced ourselves by, 
you know, sharing uh, our name and what we work for. And then everyone shared sort of like one climate tip. So there's always like lots of tips around how to reduce food waste, how to be more, um, you know, carbon friendly when it comes to fashion and all that. And, you know, I'm just learning new things constantly. And I have a few that I like to to share as well. Maybe if it's okay, I'm, yes. I'd like to share one here. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. So I like to share this tip around um, water conservation because, you know, carbon footprint's important, but water is also a very precious resource. And so one of my tips is when I wash my hair, I actually wet my hair first and then I put conditioner on the tips of my hair and then I shampoo. So this means that while I'm shampooing, my roots get conditioned and then I only have to rinse once as oh. opposed to like, you know, having to rinse your shampoo, then do your conditioner. Yeah. Um, now you can do it kind of like in one step. And I, I like continuously try to take that a step further. So um, as opposed to like wetting your body when you walk into the shower, I like to wash my hair first and then take a shower because then I'm not needing to like warm my body with the water if my body's not wet it's not cold so yeah. i'm like yeah continuously trying to refine the way that i like save water save energy and to be honest it's kind of fun and i love sharing it with other people i love that idea of like you're experimenting each time like oh what if i yeah. did this how if i did this yeah very fun very fun one of the things that i found or that i've worried about sometimes is that my and if bringing in a little bit of playfulness will mean that people will take me less seriously as a leader. Mm. And I'm curious in, I mean, you've made such a deliberate choice to bring in play as a branding and you've connected it to other businesses that have done the same. Mm -hmm. um, so has that helped you be in a place where where people will take you seriously as the leader that you are, where you're making this huge impact, or do you similar, similarly find you need to sometimes kind of navigate a space that doesn't consider playfulness as, as important for a leader? That's a great question. And I think like my style is that I like to keep it real. You know, I like to say mm -hmm. things as they are and keep it real um, you know, we are in an urgent situation, you know, climate change yeah. is probably the the greatest challenge of our time. Um, but then I also like to just, you know, throw in um, just an area of playfulness here and there, because, you yeah. know, I, again, I don't think that being doom and gloom is going to get us to where we need in order to, you know, motivate people, especially people who are not working in climate today, which is the majority of people, we need to speak their language and we need to get across yeah. to them. And, and so I definitely always like to include like some cheekiness if I'm on a stage, if I'm speaking, and that's just who I am. And that's who I am yeah. as a leader as well. And, and, you know, I think it, resonates with some people and maybe other people feel like I'm not serious but <laughs> you know like I am I am serious and I think people like yeah you know get that um 
but I'm also like cheeky. <laughs> from the workshop I did and from your website, I mean, you're brilliant. You have so <laughs> much information that can give help us actually uh, translate what seems really abstract and unattainable to, oh, I could practically do this. This is not that hard. And I can, I, this gives me enough information to make better choices. Thank you, Mary. I mean, the reason why climate change matters is because we matter as people, right? We, we want that connection. We want us to be able to continue to, to, to be together. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and that's like, we are part of this environment and this climate that we are trying to save. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if it's not joyful, then, you know, why would we save it? You know, it has to be joyful and playful. Yeah. So you gave a way that we can play individually thinking about our, our water usage in the shower. And is there one other thing that you might leave our listeners with as an invitation to play at work? Again, you know, for me, play is exploration. Play is not necessarily having boundaries. So wherever you can have that ability to exchange ideas and, you know, to get to know someone better through that, um, I would always encourage it. And uh, whether that's like uh, a weekly message in a Slack channel asking, you know, what's your favorite vegan recipe um, to, uh, you know, something else, I, I would definitely encourage exchange of ideas as a form of play. Ah, beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Mary. Thank you for listening to the Lead with a Dash of Play podcast. Reza Zaidi and Joanna Stevens created and provided the beautifully playful and reflective music you hear in this podcast. The song is titled Holding Rain. This podcast was created out of curiosity and I hope you'll share your thoughts and questions with me. Email me at mary at maryhendra.com or join the conversation on LinkedIn, redefining play and reclaiming this leadership skill for its potential to bring authenticity and joy into our professional spaces.